Hello and welcome to another episode of Soccer Pints, your one-stop shop for all things American soccer. I'm your host, Will Clark. If you aren't familiar, Soccer Pints is an American soccer podcast where we cover everything we can about U.S. soccer, Americans in Europe, Major League Soccer, and many other exciting topics. Each episode, we will also be featuring beer from some of the best breweries across the country while we discuss these topics. So, if you have a local brewery that you would like featured in a future episode, let me know. I'd love to have them on the show. Now, last week, we chatted about our new sporting director for U.S. soccer, our U-20 World Cup opponents, our U.S. men's national team Gold Cup group stage match locations. I shared the Landon Donovan interview experience for his Hall of Fame induction and talked about many other items as well. So this week, we're going to do a deep dive into our U.S. youth national team U-20 men's World Cup roster selection that was announced this week by head coach Mikey Veris. In fact, I was able to join Mikey's press conference shortly after the announcement to learn more about his decision-making into the squad, why certain players weren't released for the tournament, and gained an understanding of his expectations for the tournament. So today, again, we're going to go through the roster. I'll share my thoughts on clubs not releasing players for the tournament, and we will wrap things up with a discussion on where certain U.S. men's national team players could end up this summer in the transfer window now that their club seasons are winding down. But first. As always, let's jump right into the beer feature this week. Out of Austin, Texas, we have Pint House Brewing, and I have one of their OGs called Electric Jellyfish. Last year, I had a chance to visit all of the awesomeness that is in Austin, Texas, and Pint House was a priority stop of ours. And today, I am fortunate once again to have a pint of Electric Jellyfish to pour in my glass. Now, this is a hazy IPA at 6.5% in alcohol and se with several hops like Citra, Simcoe, Galaxy, Yukonot, and Azaka. It's got a bright citrus character to it with notes of orange and mango. It's got a really juicy hop flavor that is light on bitterness and just really refreshing to drink. Now, Pint House was started by six friends who had a passion for pizza and beer, and they opened their first location up back in 2012 as a small brew pub producing around 700 barrels of beer at the time. Now, fast forward to today, and they have four separate locations in and around the Austin area. I went to their main Austin location on Ben White, and it was pretty spectacular to visit. I had several different beers to try, and every single one of them were top class, including this electric jellyfish. I know I have a few Austin FC fans that listen to the podcast regularly, so hopefully each of you have had an opportunity to go support the incredible people at Pint House. So Pint House, thank you for producing such amazing beer and for allowing me to feature you today. Cheers. All right. This week's big news was the announcement of the under-20 U.S. World Cup roster selection. Head coach Mikey Vera selected 21 players for his squad that will begin play on May 20th against Ecuador down in Argentina. There were quite a few surprises, both good and bad for the team, several of which were because of clubs' decisions not to release players for the tournament, which they are well within their right to do since youth FIFA tournaments are not official senior FIFA windows and therefore clubs can decide not to release age-eligible players for the tournament. I'll touch base more on that in a bit, but first, let's dive into the roster selections and talk about some of the decisions that were made. Now, as I always do when breaking down these roster selections, I'll start with the goalkeepers, then hit the defense, midfield, and end with the forward options. And headlining the goalkeeping group is Gabrielle Slonina, who should be the top choice in net during the tournament. 
Slonina has been with Chelsea since the beginning of the year and has earned some valuable playing time in their, or for their U19 team. Backing him up will be Alexander Borto out of Fulham and Antonio Carrera of FC Dallas. The one name missing here is Slonina's former Chicago Fire teammate, Chris Brady, who is not released by the club. However, Slonina is someone who could jump into a backup goalkeeping spot for the men's senior national team later this summer. And he's going to be viewed on as one of the best goalkeepers in the entire World Cup. I fully expect him to be a standout performer, and the U.S. should be extremely confident with him between the posts. In front of him, Vera selected seven defenders that also possess a ton of promise and potential. I might say this multiple times today, but this entire team is strong, and they have the potential to surprise many across the world. So in alphabetical order, we have Justin Shea from Hoffenheim in Germany, Brandon Craig of the Philadelphia Union, Mauricio Savas of LA Galaxy, his club teammate, Marcus Ferkranis, Jonathan Gomez of Real Sociedad in Spain, Caleb Wiley of Atlanta United, and Joshua Winder of Louisville City in the USL. A few of those names should be extremely familiar ones, as both Wiley and Winder were recently with the U.S. men's national team for their friendly against Mexico last month. But overall, this really is a strong group. There's one obvious omission, and that is Jalen Neal, who would have led this defensive unit at Central Defense if it weren't for the various injuries at the LA Galaxy right now. Now, the Galaxy released both Cuevas and Ferkranis, but they couldn't afford to let Neal join up as he has been a top contributor for the Galaxy defense this season. It's a shame he will miss out on the tournament, but again, I'll touch base on that in a little bit. It's a great problem to have with what I'm about to say, but I can't figure out who the starting back four will be. Each one of these selections could be a starter, and I expect each of them to contribute to this squad at some point in the tournament, especially having three games in a week's time. Now, moving on to the midfield, there are another seven individuals that were called in, and again, in alphabetical order, we have Daniel Edelman from the New York Red Bull, Diego Luna of Real Salt Lake, Jack McGlynn of the Philadelphia Union, Rokas Puskas uh, from the Croatian League, Hajuk Split, Nico Sakiris from the San Jose Earthquakes, Obed Vargas, the youngest member of the squad at 17 years old from the Seattle Sounders, and then Owen Wolf from Austin FC. Again, another strong group that Varys has called in. Another couple of players who were omitted from the squad due to failure to be released by their clubs. Paxton Aronson of Frankfurt in Germany is one of those names. Brian Gutierrez of the Chicago Fire is another. Those two names have been massive contributors to this team throughout their qualifying process, but with the other players that are included, we're still in good shape. Jack McGlynn has been outstanding for the Union this season. Edelman and Luna both have had their moments in MLS as well. When you see a guy like Wolf, his father Josh is currently his head coach at Austin FC and is a former national team player as well with World Cup experience. Did I mention the youngest player on the squad and Vargas, who has become a regular starter for Seattle? And despite all of that talent, the two players, I believe, have the ability to be world-class difference makers for this squad is Sakiris and Puskas. Sakiris was a star for the U-17 U.S. team and will also just be 17 years old for this tournament. So look for him to be someone who can come off the bench and be a creative force for the squad. Puskas 
However, will be playing in the Croatian League Cup final and won't be joining the squad until the end of the group stage. So should we qualify for the knockout phase, as expected, he will be an immediate impact player. Overall, I think you can expect McGlynn, Vargas, Edelman, and Wolf in some variation to start for this team in the group stage, but you really can't go wrong with anyone being involved. Now, looking at the forward options that were selected, Varus went with four incredible names. Cade Cowell of San Jose, Kevin Paredes of Wolfsburg in Germany, Quinn Sullivan of Philadelphia, and relative newcomer Darren Yappy of the Colorado Rapids. Now, Yappy only joined this program back in March for their three friendlies that were uh, held in Spain, and he's continued to play extremely well for the Rapids, earning his call-up. However, Cowell and Sullivan will absolutely be the starters for this group early on. Cowell recently featured for the U.S. senior team, and he could earn a spot in the summer roster with another strong showing at the U-20 World Cup. Sullivan has been one of the most important pieces to the squad during qualifying, and he's continued to excel with the Union, too. Paredes has the ability to play as a wingback, outside mid, and as a striker option. He won't be joining the team until the final match of the season in the Bundesliga is over, where he's continued to earn minutes with their top squad, and I have no doubt he will be earning minutes for the U.S. senior team sooner rather than later. Now, when I had the chance to join Mikey Veris' press conference on Wednesday afternoon to learn about his thought process into crafting this roster and trying to work with clubs to release certain players, it was clear to me that he believes this group can accomplish anything. He mentioned the culture within the squad, the belief within the squad, the flexibility of so many different variations and looks that they can bring. He is just really confident in the guys that he has on his roster. He wants them to embrace this underdog mentality, his words, not mine. When he was asked specifics into who will play or how they will be deployed, if it will be similar to how like the, the senior team lines up, he was quick to let us know that all of that is top secret for the time being. But what he did say was, something that I can really appreciate and something that Greg Berhalter seemed to have a difference of opinion on. He said he's going to do what is right for the team and for the individual players that we have to make sure that we make all Americans proud of the performances that the players put in. To me, that shows he isn't going to constrict this group to a system of play and he's going to allow more freedom and creativity from the players. So, who did Vera show the most praise for? The two guys who earned their way on the roster, who were most likely on the bubble a few months ago, and that's Yappy and Wolf. He mentioned he had been monitoring Yappy for quite some time. He, he said he never complained when he wasn't getting called in. He just kept working, kept putting his head down, asking for feedback. He was focused on his development, and he fought for his place. With Wolf, he mentioned his fighting spirit, how he plays with a chip on his shoulder. He's become a starter for Austin FC and specifically spoke of his two assists over the weekend on their comeback or with their comeback draw at Portland. Now, as for who will captain the squad, it was all about loyalty for Varus. In speaking through the culture of the team, the people they have in the room, they're just good people with growth mindsets, loving to compete and having high standards for themselves. A pure example of all of that for Varus is Daniel Edelman who gets to lead this group in Argentina. Nobody knows what it will be like to play under the pressures of the U-20 World Cup. Now, some have experience at the U-17 level, but this is more difficult. It's just a higher level with higher demands, and Edelman has been the perfect leader 
for this group throughout their path together. So while I won't give you predictions today into how I think the U.S. will perform in their group stage matches, what I will say is this squad is our future. Will all of them become U.S. men's national team players? No. Will all of them continue to find success at the club level? No. So this is their time. This is their biggest moment of their soccer lives and career. They are extremely fortunate, and they are going to play as such. I think Varys did an excellent job getting this group to this point, and I'm excited to see it play out on the world stage. Now, moving on to the topic that really pisses me off to talk about, and that's the lack of a release for players to play in this tournament. I know that the FIFA U20 World Cup is not a mandatory FIFA release window for clubs. I know that clubs have to consider their situations and how losing a player could impact their squad. However, it is absolutely wrong to prevent a player from playing in a once-in-a-lifetime tournament. I just said some of the players will never make it to the senior level. Some will not make it at the club level. Some will see their careers end before they even turn, let's say, 25. I know that seems crazy, but I've seen it happen time and time again. When you get an opportunity like this, you really never know if you will ever get another chance on the world stage. I know some of the guys are having tremendous impacts at the club level and leaving their clubs for potentially a month could hurt them in the short term. But to prevent someone from going to play in a World Cup so that they can have depth in their clubs is just poor management. The Chicago Fire not letting two of their guys go and Chris Brady and Brian Gutierrez is disappointing. Vera said as much in his press conference. Brady, understandably, is the number one goalkeeper for the Chicago Fire this season, ironically, after Slonina transferred to Chelsea. And Gutierrez is a role player off the bench. Chicago sits in 14th out of 15 teams in the Eastern Conference standings. They just fired their head coach earlier this week. They are a terrible club in the current moment. The Galaxy not letting Jalen Neal, one of the most promising young defenders in all of U.S. soccer, is another huge disappointment. Sure, they allowed two other players to join the squad, but Neal is the cream of the crop. His presence would have elevated this team even more. There are so many others who had a chance. I won't get into the European ones. At the end of the day, every country is dealing with the same issues. It's not just the U.S. There are also U20 age-eligible players who are already established at the senior level for their countries. Even Varys was asked about if he had considered someone like Ricardo Pepe being called in. But as Varys said, they didn't attempt to call in Pepe for the tournament, as it's clear he's graduated to the senior squad at this point. So for those situations, I get it. But for all that MLS wants their players to be considered world-class, to be on the national team, to get the exposure to the world on the world stage, what a better way than to have a U.S. youth national team have their best players available to compete for a world championship for the first time. There are 14 MLS players on this 20 man, 21-man roster. I know every team can have their reasons, but as Gutierrez said about missing the tournament, he's extremely disappointed, and so am I. If I were a youth player in the Academy of Chicago, I would want out. I think it sends a terrible message to those players. I think it shows that Clubs don't care about the best interests of their players only for their club and their business. It is a massive disappointment for those who don't get the chance to compete. So shame on those clubs. All right. Now that I said my piece on that, let's talk about some of the senior squad players and where they could end up during the summer as their club seasons begin to wrap up in the coming weeks. 
We have seen several rumors just this week regarding Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney, Serginho Dest, Haji Wright, Austin Trusty, amongst many others. Trusty was just named the player of the season for Birmingham City in the English Championship, which is a tremendous honor in itself. But Trusty has been on loan from Arsenal and will most likely be at a new club next season, as I do not see him being a part of Arsenal's top team next season. Where could he go? The rumor this week was that Rangers were extremely interested in him. Would that be a good fit? I think so. We have seen the experience for uh, what it's done in, in Scotland for Cameron Carter-Vickers with Celtic and how that propelled him into a spot on the World Cup roster in Qatar. Is it the sexiest league and club to go to? Not exactly, but it will give him European competitions to play for that the English Championship cannot. I'm also not against him returning to the championship and leading another squad. Maybe he could find a place on a middle to bottom end Premier League club and earn major minutes for them too. Either way, I think Trusty is rising faster than others in our defensive pool and will play a big part for our national team in the lead up to 2026. I keep getting asked about Pulisic and McKinney a lot too. Two things are certain. Pulisic needs to get out of the dumpster fire that Chelsea are and McKinney will not be back with a relegated lead squad next season. I think Pulisic needs to go back to Germany or maybe Italy. He has the skill and talent and has been so underappreciated by the Chelsea faithful. He needs a fresh start elsewhere. I've seen the Milan rumors. I'm not sure that's the right spot either. We have seen how it's been for Dest on loan there. McKinney, on the other hand, will be returning to Juventus, and he could end up playing a part there, or he could push for a move elsewhere too. I would love to see him continue on in the Premier League. People want to harshly criticize him for Leeds' performances, but it's not a McKinney problem. He has nothing around him. Ever since Tyler Adams went down for the season with an injury, McKinney has been forced to try to do things on his own. Sure, Brendan Aronson is there, but he will actually be one to benefit from Leeds' soon-to-be relegation. And he should enjoy himself a bit more in the English Championship next year. When Leeds are relegated, I also expect Adams to be moving on to another Premier League squad. He has the potential to be a devastating presence in his central defensive midfield role for a new club. I mentioned Haji Wright, a goal scorer for the U.S. in their knockout stage loss to the Netherlands. Rumors have it that Southampton and other English clubs are interested. I think Wright's development needs to move on from the Turkish League, and the English Championship would be a great place for him to ply his trade. As for Dest, he certainly won't stay with Barcelona when he returns from loan. He should go to Germany. I think he would do very well in a wing-back type of role in the Bundesliga. It would help his development and ensure he gets the playing time he desperately needs if he wants to continue on as a starter for the national team. What other players do I want to see make a move? Plenty of them. MLS players, certainly. But as I have stressed in previous episodes, for anyone making a move, it needs to be the right one. These glamour moves to high-profile clubs are great to see, but they usually don't end well. Pulisic has gone from playing a major role in Chelsea, winning the Champions League, to barely making the bench for an 11th-place Premier League squad in a short amount of time. It's absurd. Every player needs to truly evaluate their next move very carefully. It'll be a defining decision for them and their 2026 World Cup chances. There will be a lot more on transfer soon, but that's it for now. All right, on to my final thoughts of the week. The U.S. Open Cup just finished off their round of 32 matches. If you remember last year, the USL side Sacramento Republic faced off against Orlando City in the final of the tournament. However, both teams were defeated in the round of 32, and we will officially have a new champion to crown for 2023. Of the 16 teams left, 
14 are from MLS, with the other two sides coming from the USL in Birmingham Legion and the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. As for the round of 16, it will take place on the 23rd and 24th of this month, and the matchups are as follow. We've got New York Red Bull versus Cincinnati, Columbus versus Pittsburgh, LAFC versus the Galaxy, Charlotte versus Birmingham, Inner Miami and Nashville, Austin versus Chicago, Colorado and Real Salt Lake, and the final matchup is Houston versus Minnesota. I'll keep you posted on how those results play out. I know I mentioned last week that U.S. Soccer appointed Matt Crocker to the sporting director role last week, but we now have a new vice president of sporting in former national team player Oguchi Onyewu, who will be tasked with supporting Crocker across all sporting initiatives within the federation. Onyewu will play a prominent role in managing the relationships between U.S. soccer and all clubs across the world. He will be tasked with playing a major role in development areas of U.S. soccer, particularly with our youth initiatives and the extended national teams. I know this is a former player with ties to the U.S. soccer scene, but it's a really strong hire for U.S. soccer. Onyewu is someone who has a strong reputation across MLS and U.S. soccer and should have an amazing impact within the federation. He's going to bring a lot of great support for Crocker, and he should continue to grow into future roles within U.S. soccer. Lastly, my final thought of the week, it's Mother's Day on Sunday, and I know I don't have a huge female following, so maybe this helps some of the men out there that need reminders. But I just want to wish all the mothers a wonderful day and hope you know how appreciated you are for everything you all do. All right. Well, that's it for today's episode once again. And as always, I appreciate you listening. If you have a question for me or would like something specific to be discussed on the show, please send me a message on Instagram or Twitter or email me directly at will.clark at thesoccerpints.com. Again, thanks to Pint House Brewing for letting me feature you. Until next time, cheers, my friends.